Okay, Aufnahme läuft. Um, hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee Corner Radio Podcast. Um, today with a very popular topic, um, yeah, let's say kind of kind of a hype topic um, after TechEd. It, we will talk about low-code, no-code, and I have um, yeah two expert, uh, experts on that topic um, to, as my guest today, um, Matthias Steiner and Holger Bruchelt. So maybe you can introduce yourself, uh, Matthias. Can you uh, go first, please? Sure. Thanks for having me and for organizing this. Um, yeah, Matthias Steiner. Some people may know me as somebody that was very closely working with the SAP Cloud Platform or the Business Technology Platform, as it's called these days. Um, been been very yeah, visible and very vocal on this topic for many, many years. And since two years, I joined Neptune Software as a Chief Product Officer, driving product management for, for our rapid application development low-code platform. And as such, of course, yeah, still cheering for SAP, uh, still being part of the ecosystem. And yeah, I'm trying to add my two cents to the topic that's currently ongoing and, and do a little bit of, of myth busting and, and you know, explaining where's the challenges, where's the opportunities. And very happy to have Holger uh, joining the road with me uh, um, for a while, at least. We seem to have uh, a mutual interest in, in yeah, bringing the topic forward also at the intersection of Microsoft um, and SAP. And with that, I just hand over to you, Holger. Yeah, thank you, Matthias. Yeah, Holger Bruchelt. I'm also still very much cheering for SAP, as you said. I, I left SAP a little earlier than you, so I'm now um, almost five years with Microsoft. Um, at Microsoft, I'm um, in the product management team for SAP architecture and SAP integration. So basically, I'm working very closely with SAP as our partner. Um, on several integration topics. How can we bring SAP services closer together with Azure services and the other way around, obviously. And um, yeah, one of my um, passions in, in this area is also um, the uh, low-code area, um, how we can um, use um, low-code tools to connect to an SAP system and extend an SAP system using low-code tools. Yes, uh, thank you for your introduction. So, um, yeah, today the, the target of, of our session today is not uh, to talk about uh, Neptune uh, software in detail and not about uh, the Microsoft uh, Power Platform in, in detail, yeah, yeah. But, but we want we to want give to. Um, yeah an overview about the whole topic. I have the impression um, the SAP ecosystem was a bit hit by that topic uh, after SAP acquired AppGyver. I, if I remember right, that was in uh, winter, March, or around the RICE announcement. Um, already last year at TechEd, um, there was a, a new product, which I don't know if it still exists, by the way, um, that SAP Room, uh, which was presented mm -hmm. uh, during, during um, um, the keynotes. And now SAP, yeah, kind of uh, tries to speed up and uh, catches the competitions, uh, in my opinion at least, because yes. I think uh, SAP was a bit late to, to the party with that whole um, low-code, no-code topic. Uh, others are already there since longer times. Um, and But yeah, nevertheless, there's, uh, there's room for not only one solution in that area. And yeah, maybe we, we can just have a general overview about what's what's behind that uh, low-code, no-code stuff. 
Well, I actually think SAP was not necessarily late to the game there. I mean, back, I, I don't know, if you look at the Visual Composer that was there many, many years ago. I, I still remember when, when I was an SAP consultant, I went out to customers, used the Visual Composer to um, extend some scenarios. So I think to, to some extent in some areas, SAP has been actually um, quite active in the low code area and, and trying to um, bring yeah, the, the tooling story from SAP um, to, to, to more and more end users there. Right, and then also late to the party, we, we know about adoption cycles in the enterprise space. Um, I think where we see where the majority of the customer base is, the topic comes probably at the right time where people can start thinking about it. Also in, in the broader context of digital transformation, how to gain or maintain a competitive edge. Um, but it's all I think about. Yeah, what's what's the what's top of customers' mind, and how does that match into their broader IT strategies as well conversions, whatever is happening, and it needs to be considered as part of of this the bigger movement, right? Um, technology, I think, and I agree to to Holger's assessment here with Visual Composer, a composite application framework. We had guided procedures. We had always yep. a very meaningful BPM and workflow tooling. Um, that it all goes into the direction of making development more developers more productive. So, um, but it's it's about the culture. I think that is important. Like, whom do I want to appeal uh, to with those tools? Where can those tools add value? How does that match the overarching IT strategy and company strategy? That's that's if that's the the, the focus of today's conversation. That is at least what what I had in mind. And yeah, we can mentioned technologies to a certain extent but it's fundamentally first of all yeah the making sure everybody uses the same terminology and vocabulary i think should be should be the the most important thing as we as we have those conversations yeah um i mean you mentioned already visual composer uh, and guided procedures um but for me I'm, i mean just also one one step back that's uh was a different phase of that <coughs> whole uh tooling stuff. I mean, the approaches or the, the goal is in the end the same. Um, Low-code, no-code uh, platforms address um, the need for yeah getting software developed faster and maybe with less development knowledge. Um, that That's actually the same approach which we saw um, maybe 10, 15 years back with the tools we already mentioned. Um, but I, in, in my opinion, there's a big difference to, um, or uh, at least uh, the tools and platforms reached a, uh, another uh, level of maturity since then, uh, because um, in, uh, during that time, also the model-driven uh, software development was uh, was a topic which was uh, often very close or is very close to to that whole approach, um, and. With all that tools, we had the issue, or customers had the issue in the end, it was kind of a one-way street uh, with a dead end. So if you started to uh, develop um, a business process and implement it with one of those tools, um, yeah, you start easy and it works with, with the easy, simple process. And then in the end, uh, you you understand that reality might be uh, more complex. And then uh, you just yeah hit the, or touch the wall uh, where there was a dead end. You couldn't do anything, uh, just rebuild it with uh, writing code uh, by hand. So th that start was- Start all over it. again. Yeah, start all over again. And uh, the tools nowadays, um, 
try to fix that issue, I think. Yeah, but I think one, one important thing is that um, that uh, when SAP started with all of this, I mean, it clearly shows that a need for low code uh, or, or simpler development was already there. Um, I think, um, I mean, you, you have and had all the ABAP experts that were really good in, in developing ABAP code, but in order to do this, you needed to really have experts. And I think that was always, and not only for SAP, that was always for, for a lot of other um, companies as well, as, as well, a big, big issue that um, how can you address all these requirements to build new new applications, to automate new new um, processes and stuff like that. And I think what, what we see now is um, that um, we had a lot of lessons learned in, in the past. Again, I, I really loved the idea of the Visual Composer. It was a fantastic tool. And um, from 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 the from the from the idea from the cons concepts of it that that um, you could really empower end users to to build new applications. But as you said, the the, the biggest issue was that um, you could only go so far, and then that was it. Um, or also, um, I think um, this 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 fear of a shadow IT, similar like what we see with Excel actually, that that um, people are starting to. Um, build their own stuff in a very uncontrolled way, and you don't know really what is happening. And then at some point, you're you're come to a dead end. And then, yeah, IT needs to fix it um, because yeah, it, it's not working. Um, you're missing features. It's not secure. It's not governmental. It, it does not comply to to company standards and stuff like that. That that so, was a big big issue um, in in the in the early days there. Yeah. And that's that's what I think is causing a lot of bias, that a lot of the techies uh, know that previous generations really fell short on the promise. Um, then also some people mix it up from a marketing hype to say, yeah, at one point in time, those tools will replacing professional software developers, which is utterly nonsense. But but if you if you market it like this, yeah, those with no no code platform, citizen developers can build every app. Then then you're doing it wrong, and you're not doing the market any favors. So, so that's you have the bias and the hesitation. I know that very well because I've been very biased uh, as a, as a traditional software engineer for a long time. That somebody claims that what I learned as a as a trade over many years and mastered, you know, it's 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 craftsmanship that a fancy tool could replace me. That's and that's not it. So that's that's another misconception out there. And then, as you said, all the other things that the tools have advanced, but also the understanding have mature that we're just lacking all the resources and IT is constantly overloaded. So, um, and, and that's just a necessity. And as everybody needs software developers to drive their digital transformation and digitalization and, and all that, we just have to take a look, okay, could there be easier ways where I can make the IT department more productive? And that's what those tools ultimately need to, to do in one hand. And then is there any way I can help other people that are are not trained engineers participate in a governant, in a structured, in a collaboration mode that the business and IT are doing together. And, and that's, I think, the fundamental understanding that the that you have to embrace it holistically. Otherwise, you're either creating shadow IT or you're, you're not picking up the business. Um, and both sides are wrong. You need to bring it together. It's, it's technology and people. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And I uh, just want to stress that uh, marketing uh, buzz around the citizen developer, um, which of course, um, yeah, creates some uh, bias, as you said, for, for the hands-on developers uh, or pro-coders. Pro um, pro-coders, yeah. 
Procodus is the, the, the right word. Um, I see that in, in our company as well. Um, I had a look on, on that whole topic and how we can position uh, low code, no code and which platforms we should use. And um, I tried to get support from the Procodus, which didn't happen in the end because they were kind of uh, either afraid um the the let's say older ones uh, as old as i am or older uh, said okay that's uh, uh, the model driven stuff coming back uh, which which we couldn't use in the end and just generated crappy code um so uh, i don't want to touch that stuff and um that's i think for that whole um topic and the the whole um yeah products out there a, a bit of a problem um because uh, i don't believe that um just uh, random citizen developers or random business users able to create an app because you need to understand um, kind of uh, the basics of what, whatever data modeling or what what's a primary key and 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 a foreign key and stuff like that and uh, uh, yeah you need to have an IT understand uh, standing you don't need to uh, be a pro coder um, but the general understanding on how software development works is needed and um, if companies and I really we, we discussed that or, already in the last episode of Coffee Corner Radio uh, if SAP says okay that's uh, yeah for the citizen developer only which was the message which ProCoders understood after TechIt uh, at least for my understanding uh, that's the wrong approach because um, the whole IT gets biased and says, okay, no, I don't want to touch that topic. And that's, uh, yeah, speeds up shadow IT even more in my my opinion, because then the, the functional departments just go and uh, buy the pl platform they want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think that that's that's exactly the point. Um, similar like what we saw with all the SaaS solution um, in the end, where, where then um, different departments just said, look, I, I cannot wait for the IT. I will just do my own thing. I think that that's what we saw with um, some bigger customers who just went out and said, um, if, if you cannot deliver IT department, then I'll just go with this SaaS provider. And I think we, we see a similar thing um, also with, with local platforms that there, I mean, there is an undeniable demand from the business users to create new applications, to create, um, to automate th certain things. And Quite often they go to the IT department, but IT the IT department is overloaded. There, there is there is no debate about it. it they they need to work on on so many very important things, and that they just don't have time to address all these um, requirements from um, all the business users. Still, I think in the end, it's this collaboration that is really really important, and that then really is successful. So, um, I was involved in in a few um, um, customer projects where. The IT department um, created all the APIs, so they did a lot of um, very important, um, very complicated, where you really needed the knowledge of the SAP. Um, well, it was not only SAP, but um, where the, the, the business processes. And then they just exposed the data model or the, the, the API. And now the business users could actually start using their tooling story to create the relevant applications on it. But it was always this um, collaboration between the the business users and the the IT department and i think that's that's what's really really important to make sure that um the IT department is happy that it's um, um that there is no shadow IT that you not only create these um very basic applications that 
cannot do anything. I mean, they, they are they're great for demos and stuff like that, but they're not really um, um, productive. They're not bringing a real value. But when you do this combination of a pro code developer and a low code developer, I think that's where where we can really show the benefits of a local platform. Oh, and and and, I, and I definitely, and we have talked about this, Holger. I definitely see the SAP context as a very interesting approach to really incubate the thinking of fusion teams that are cross-functional teams that contain the power users on the business side as well as the techies as are the operators. So just DevOps and you know DevOps thinking also including the business side and really owning <coughs> a piece or a service end-to-end -end from incubation to lifecycle management, but also from a business perspective and continuously evolved that that's that seems to be very involved but like i said it's 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 something that requires both teams to be ready and and it understanding that yes uh, doing something on that magnitude while they're overloaded is going to be tricky but if they keep postponing that it's not going to get any better that's that's where i see and especially since i think both uh that's true for both microsoft and neptune we're primarily talking to enterprise customers um, and our traditional buyers are typically IT. Um, that's when we we have to make sure that we don't, you know, jeopardize or put at risk the the street credibility that we have with IT engineering to say yes, if I want something to work, I go to Microsoft or I go to Neptune, yeah. by just you know doing behind the back deals with <laughs> with the LOBs, because I think it's not gonna you can't do it just one sided. Um, um, matter of fact, I truly believe that. Business technology, SAP, non-SAP. If you want to do it right, you need to look at these things holistically, and they need to match uh, on on all those dimensions. And and then you can start thinking about how to really leverage citizen developers. But but let's not just say low, no code, low code means citizen developership. That would be completely stupid, because we are seeing a lot of value adding for the enterprise IT developers. That's where we want to add value primarily. Yeah. Actually, let, let me. Um, quickly um, talk about one custom example that I had there, where, where we came in um, with the Power Platform and um, the business really loved it, but then we started to talk to the SAP department at, at this customer and the SAP department was very much against it because they, exactly they were saying, no, 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 we don't want this. We want to have full control of what's happening. We don't want, and there were some really valid concerns. We don't want to open up our SAP system so that all of a sudden the SAP system goes down because um, there, there's too much traffic to it. So they were very much against it. But then we went into a um, discussion with them. We, we talked to them, look, um, there, there are multiple ways how you can restrict the access to the SAP system. You can implement an API, an SAP API management to make sure that only very controlled um, uh, flows are actually possible to the SAP system. And then all of a sudden, once once we had discussed this, once we set up um, a center of excellence um, for for the low code approach, then all of a sudden, and that was really really fantastic to to see um, the 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 um, statement from the SAP department at this customer completely changed, and where they were fully against a low yeah. code um, approach at first, they all of a sudden were all embracing it. They even set up um, a practice that was only there to expose APIs. And now for, for them, the, the beautiful thing was now they have one person looking um, or, or being the interface to the low code um, developers, basically, 
He's the one who exposes the APIs. He's the one who reacts to um, requests. Look, I want to have access to a sales order or do we have anything for product information or something like that? This is the guy who, who now opens up the, the appropriate APIs. And all of a sudden, a lot of requests from the business that usually hit all the SAP IT departments. Can I do this? Can I do that? Where they always blocked? No, I, 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 we, we don't have time. Now, all of a sudden, he's basically outsourcing the development of applications to all the business users in his company. So and that was something that I, I thought was really, really interesting, that if you have an active discussion with the IT department, with their very valid concerns, then all of a sudden, from a, from a blocking perspective, they are really embracing um, the, the, the usage of low-code um, toolings. That's that's how we take it. So you really want to make sure that the IT department understands that you know exactly how they take uh, what's on their mind and that you're adding value. And then, as you said, this is the prime example of how you can really convince customers. You start with a small pilot project, a proof of concept, you show it to the business. Suddenly, all the guy says, I have similar requirements in my area. And suddenly you're building more and more apps and the business is suddenly saying, I want more. And I find this so appealing to the SAP IT leads, which at the moment, everybody thinks, okay, S4, not S4, what I'm going to do. But at the end of the day, they're seen as something that takes the core backend system, but the innovation happens in the cloud with blockchain, <laughs> with machine learning, <laughs> whatever you, you decide. But suddenly you can say, no, 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 wait, with, with this tool set that allows my, my guys, my SAP IT guys to really become that enabler that exposes those APIs, that facilitates all those app development that really deliver on tangible business outcomes, time to value in weeks and say okay, one app, two app, three apps, all the apps we ever want to build, but you never have the time to do it. We can build that much more rapidly now with professional low-code tooling. Um, that's that's very convincing. And suddenly you have the business wanting more and that's then when, when, when the magic happens. I've seen it over the many years. That's the only way how you can really make it happen that suddenly the business demands IT, give me more of that type of thing. And then... <laughs> Maybe actually to, to, to do a very quick brief advertising um, in, in, in the webinar that we did um, together with um, with Matthias and 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 obviously um, um, Torsten and, and, and Jens, um, what, what I really loved there was this combination where we had the SAP expert and, and, and Torsten did some amazing things that I don't even know. I mean, my, my ABAP days are, are long gone, but he was really the SAP expert. Um, and then we had... Um, um, Jens, uh, who who started to create, who being basically the bridge between the the, the hardcore ABAP developer and the low code um, platform me uh, guy, and then me as the one who who doesn't really know SAP, but who could just create an application by interacting with the experts. And I think that was for me really the prototype of what I also see with some customers already, but what I hope to see more and more with customers. That it's really, yeah, as you said, this fusion of teams that we have these different colleagues working together. And I don't need to be an expert in the SAP system who knows all the function modules and all the RFCs and all the business models. What I need as a business user is I need access to a sales order or I need um, to, to get the information um, for, um, for products information. And, and that's, I think, really the, 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 the powerful combination that we can have there. Yeah, um, you both mentioned already. I think um, the 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 fundamental stuff 
enterprises need in order to work with low code no code and also uh, in order to to prevent shadow it um at least from my understanding the the apis uh, which are available within a company are the yeah the the key thing you need to have uh, in order to to be able to build that low code no code apps because i mean yeah nowadays that's uh, something everybody knows um we are not living in an isolated sap world so uh, having uh, all that data and processes in the phone uh, in the same system doesn't work and Holger, you already mentioned one thing which is very important that Uh, you can even use um, API management tools which you have already in the company um, in order to to work, work with that platforms. So it's not not always, or maybe that depends on the platform. But uh, in my ideal ideal world, that would be something uh, which uh, might be the case. Yeah, let me let me quickly bring it up. So API management <clears throat> probably we need to. Def- differentiate here between discovery and, and and consumption and then the runtime things like throttling and all of that and, and metrics um it's a broad topic but those tools were created for professional developers and and if i'm a business user i may not even know that my data source that i want to connect with and which data system system does it reside which which client number which api endpoint i mean that's that's just let me doesn't mean <laughs> a thing to me just to keep it uh, positively phrased um so you need somebody that acts as a concierge service and translates that into business semantics for specific lines of business so the guy wants to say i want to build a data set maybe an analytical application on sneakers man us size 15 whatever you know and it needs access to that level and not like to any backend api so there needs to be a, a catalog um, a marketplace where i can identify for my specific role the access of building blocks connectors to data sources but also application templates all branded accordingly all governance applied data security information security archiving the whole thing um, and be able to use it Only then I, they can't create anything that we don't want them to create. Then we give them the playing field saying, look, this is your Lego bricks. This is your, your building blocks. You can use them. And if you need more, let us know. And then we can build you more. And that's the exciting part about where the tools in the past really lacked this, this flexibility. Now we're saying you can use the productivity gain with templates, with guardrails, with an opinionated stack that is very modern. You can build your applications. And everything you build is as future-proof as it gets, fully aligned with your IT strategies, with your IT technologies that you have in your stack, because it's Microsoft, it's SAP, it's open standards. You're not introducing technical debt, shadow IT, or you're not also not you know, pushing alien technology to your customer base. I think that's fundamental. If you want to win over developers, you got to give them the tools that they want to use. And, and I can say the good ones like Microsoft and, and Neptune, we do it like that. Yeah. Um, I I just want to add. I mean, um, you took the perspective of the um, citizen developer um, to to use that term again. And of course, I didn't want to say that API management should be the uh, the UI or the user experience, which uh, should be uh, given to to the functional departments. In the end, I just meant it's uh, the the uh, the basis of uh, where IT can govern um, the whole access. Of course, there needs to be some 
um, meta information added to the, all that APIs uh, so that a non-developer um, is able to use them. And uh, yeah, but you, you pointed out where the added value of that platforms is today. Yeah, and I, I would actually also highlight, I mean, API management is the management of APIs. So obviously what you need um, to do that, you need to have the APIs actually in the SAP system. Uh, of course. <laughs> and actually also then, if, if you now look back, um, what 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 did we had in, in the times of Visual Compose and stuff like that? We had SOAP services. That that was the, the, the best uh, oh that God. was available there. And then <laughs> SOAP services are very complicated to consume. It's It's not so easy. In the meantime, technology has evolved, and I, I very much like, for example, the, um, the the fact that SAP is really adopting OData, or really not only adopting, really driving forward um, OData. And we see in the API Business Hub, for example, the SAP API Business Hub, that more and more of these OData services are available with SAP Fiori. I mean, we, we have thousands of OData services available, so so that's already a very good starting point. I think we still have a lot of services missing, and actually. Um, again, what we did with um, with Neptune, and where you have the possibility to um, expose basically any um, a BAPI or, or function module as an open API or, or Swagger, so a REST service that has an open API and, and Swagger specification. And now um, we, we can just consume this in a, in a very similar, easy way in in, in low-codes platforms, like, like, like the Power Platform, obviously. And I think yeah. that's what, what, what now really changes also the whole interaction between the low-code developer, the the, the um, citizen developer, water, and the pro-code developer. Yeah, and the API factory is, I think, is a very strategic point for us. Um, we can expose, as you said, everything in a standardized, open, standards-based um, API, easy to consume for everybody without knowing what's underneath. And the fact that we have all this data available, so the data dictionary, the type safety, um, really being able to interact with all levels of the <clears throat> underlying application server, NetWeaver, gives us a lot of flexibility. Um, and also from a documentation perspective, as you said, integrating that into API management solutions and, and just, we call it setting the digital membrane. As you said, in order to facilitate workflows, drive end-to-end -end processes, I need everything API-ified. Um, um, and I always say, yes, IT spends so much time with system consolidation, merge and acquisitions, very complex middleware. I think we're just fighting the symptoms. IT landscapes are always changing. They are moving towards the cloud. So and stop stop fighting like the, the, this, this growing network. Instead, make it easier to reconnect and rewire the things as needed by providing the right abstraction levels. And that's why I think the API factory can definitely help for SAP systems to expose that data, have a meaningful abstraction level. Then I can build the UI on top. I could build a workflow around it. And if I then need to modernize the underlying core, right? As I say it was a BAPI or it was a function module that I created myself. Now I want to have a core data service underneath or do whatever, you know, uh, you can do that and you still have a, a safe uh, abstraction level and you can by this reduce the number of custom code that you have, modernize it and eventually, as I said, keep the core leaner and cleaner um, and, and, and still have ways to very impactful drive your future custom development needs um, because there will always be the need for custom. So it's not built or buy, it's it's built and buy and compo composition is now the next level where we want to embrace also the less technical people. Um, and I think that's, um, that's the mission I'm fighting for. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay, we, we we talk now a lot of um, the APIs as one building block, of course, uh, in order to to create uh, applications and, mm -hmm. and to integrate in your whole landscape. W what other building blocks are there uh, with the platform? So maybe let me start. So we differentiate into four groups, right? It could be everything UX related as one bucket, where you could have a page template, an app template, something like a componentized control, like a logon dialog, like really breaking it down into very common patterns, all branded according to your corporate identity. Then we have the functional things like business logic, um, where you can also extend it with integration scripts and open source software, background jobs, all the like. Then we have the process flow, could be workflows, could be eventing as a to initialize a workflow it could be decision trees uh, business routes um, and all that and then we have this whole topic of what we call connectors could be apis could be a, a local persistence could be bring your own like your excel file uh, an external data source survey monkey google docs microsoft 365 all of that and 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 that's You can have very much building blocks and then really bring them together and build applications using a, a, a couple of building blocks or build a workflow by just chaining building blocks. That's that's how we operate. But uh, Holger, how is the, I think we share a lot of common ground, but you can definitely add more specifics. Yeah. No, no, exactly. I, th I think that that resonated extremely well um, with with my point of view. I mean, we have the different connectors and we, we um, bring the data somewhere um in or we make the data accessible we have triggers we have actions so, so that we obviously can also react and then it's just whether you build a ui or whether you build an automation flow whether you trigger a workflow um that's then where um the yeah low code um platforms um start to extend these scenarios um another aspect um which is nowadays very important is the the mobile uh, stuff which uh, got a bit lower prioritized in the last years i think at least uh, so at least from for my imp impression but uh, the topic is still there and uh, native uh, versus uh, non-native apps is still a big thing um do those uh, platforms or especially the the power platform and neptune uh, maybe in this case um address that topic as well so for us, it has always been a key component. I mean, those who may probably know Neptune was, that was the whole reason the company was started, to bring a more SAP native flavor of mobility to the app developers. That was the founding idea. Of course, we expanded since then. Um, we still believe that cross-platform um, um, hybrid web apps, whatever you want to call it, is the future because simply from a total cost of development perspective and a total cost of ownership perspective, it's simply one third. If I would have to do it for iOS, Android, Microsoft, and maybe desktop, so it's just, and again, the tools, we can provide a, a experience that is, is not second best to the native experience. It's the same thing. It comes with, without all those big distribution hurdles that you have with the proprietary stores that sometimes, you know, really, make it difficult on an enterprise level if i need to wait till something is is going through this gateway um at the at the at the respective stores we can bundle it up as native as needed a progressive web apps is becoming more of a more of an alternative um and the tooling becomes much more powerful and then yes we decided to team up with with ionic which um is one of the most well-known cross-platform mobile providers um and their capacitor framework is basically backwards compatible or 
can use Cordoba, so they just take over all of the plugins and what has been done there. Um, and they, I think they claim they have 10% on, on all the app stores that are being built by Vionic. So they have a huge developer base, um, very great guys. I love working with them. Um, so at the moment, yes, Microsoft and Ionic, uh, I have to say, I really love the common uh, uh, thoughts and the common mindset on where the economy goes. And and um, so mobility is always a scenario for us. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the one device you have in your head all the time. And for me, what we're doing, it just extends this. So I always explain at the end of the day, what no-code platform bring to the table is that you have all those apps that you need in your work environment available in one central place, just the way you're used to it by your mobile phone. Right? I open my launchpad, my company launchpad. I have everything according to my role, to my job. I can access it and it makes my life so much easier. Um, and then once the people in the company know, hey, what has IT ever done for me? Oh, they, they built this app, this app, this app. I can now really focus on my job. Then when you really believe and see IT as, as the one enabler that really propels the company forward. So that's why I said it's it's all about making the business more successful via IT. That's the whole battle that we're fighting. Yeah. And it's mobile is a big part of it. Sorry for the lengthy answer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think that exactly is, is, is the case. I mean, um, when I also look at the power platform, there, there's not a real differentiation, whether it's a mobile app or a desktop app or a native app or a browser-based app, or obviously what, what we also very much see is um, an app that um, is surfaced in Office 365, in, in Teams or in your Excel or in your PowerPoint or whatever. So um, mobile is just by default another channel that when, when you create um uh, an, an application is, is available also on your mobile. But but just so for the point, I don't think people notice really, but a lot of the Microsoft 365 stuff is actually available as a progressive web app, right? So yeah. <laughs> Excel, I think even VS Code, I mean, it's, it's insane to think how complex those web apps can be and I can deploy them with one button. I have them on my desktop, I have them on my mobile phone and, and, and I can really do a lot of things. So it's just hardware specific things. Um, like barcode scanners, but there the plugins are available. This is where at least Neptune is working with Zebra and 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 the big guys in the market, um, and it's going very well. Um, so, um, yeah, very powerful stuff. And Microsoft and SAP, that's the angle where, where I think we want to make sure that those two worlds will be very very good working together. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did we miss one of the building blocks um, you see in your platforms? It's it's like I said, let's not get religious about the topic. Um, I think for developers, yeah. we, I mean, we have always talked about componentization, component models. That's how you build proper software. I mean, I wrote a book about it back in the days. Um, and, and we all understand you need to have extension mechanisms in place for your custom code. Um, that... Um, um, that that you can extend it and not be have a clean separation of standard versus you know plugins. So that's the way you build software. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on when when you ask what what components, what building blocks blocks do we see. Um, I mean, where where's where's the start and where's the end? As I said, for me, it's really this fusion of teams. So the the pro code developer is actually part of the project of a low code developer, and and and, and with this. You could say, well, um, the, the integration of an API management or the integration of Swagger UIs um, um, is something that is part of my local platform. Or then um, what, what we see very often now is this whole 
I know it's it's a buzzword, um, but the, the whole artificial intelligence stuff that we're doing, um, where we have uh, forms recognizers, or where we have what what I personally extremely um, what I'm extremely excited about is this notion of introducing natural language recognition in the low code development, which I find ex extremely interesting. So if you if you if you think of um, there's only so much that you can do by dragging and dropping um, your 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 components on a on a on a on a power app or something like that. But now you need to create some formulas. You you need to enter something. And obviously, what, what we're doing there is we're we're heavily leaning on the syntax that a lot of customers already know from Excel. But but even there, I mean, if you have an Excel power user, it's it's amazing what they can do with these Excel formulas. And so they can become very very complex. And yeah. what we have started to do now is um, to see if we can um, use um, we have we have, uh, we have this um, GTP three um, um, model that that we're using. That, for example, we're also using for GitHub Copilot and stuff like that. I'm not sure if you've seen that, where you have this pair programming in in, in GitHub. So we're, we're we're looking at similar approaches now also for the for the low code platform. That, for example, a business user could say. Well, that he could really write. I want to sort this table um, by first name descending, and then you literally write this in your application, and then um, the the local platform translates this into the um, required formula that is then available for the user. So, so really empowering the business user to to also work with um, a little more complex things. And you could say that this is also part now as as one of the components that. That we are looking at from a from a low code perspective. Look, look, um, I call it Lego bricks, and I know it's overused. But uh, for those out there who have kids that play with Lego, you have you start with Duplo, right? And you have the <laughs> yes. regular bricks. Then you have what they call Lego Technics. You have little pumps, and, and and you can twist it. And then you have even robotics, and then you can start programming. And eventually, I see some of the people may only do Lego bricks uh, with Duplo. Some of them may mature. And become from a no coder into a low coder. I definitely want to facilitate this by just making it a very gradual learning curve. Um, and yes, an API definition is by by our understanding uh, a building block. It's 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 one implementation of a connector interface to really abstract from the technologies from the business semantics. So we say connector, and a connector could be backed by a table definition, by an API definition, by maybe a PDF document and, and various forms. Um, but then we have all the machine learning stuff. Um, here, I'm clearly saying um, we're Neptune software, we're not Microsoft, we're not Google. Um, I let them push on the boundaries of machine learning, image recognition, and all these things, and we just make sure that you can integrate their capabilities with us, right? Why would I try to compete with them? I clearly say mobility, digital experience, of course, in an SAP world with a heavy flavor of UI5 and, and Fiori, and then the API-based API integration. All of that I want to make easy to, to use so that the, the developers, the ABAP developers, can, can easily build full-stack applications on a very modern stack. And the same stack, the same technologies that the IT department would be using anyway, UI5, Fiori, HANA, ABAP, a little bit of JavaScript and the Microsoft tooling, which seems to be, like I said, when it comes to Active Directory, when it comes to API management, I mean, when it comes to Azure, that's where we see a lot of demand. And that's why I said, this is a great place to be, right? You have a very good value proposition. Um, you know the, the, the challenge is inside out. I mean, I have been an architect for, for many, many years, 
at exactly that custom development with SAP and open source. Um, I have seen how to build a platform around it, and now I see this demand. And if if people don't shy away from the idea and being willing to listen and let the tools speak for themselves, I think and just saying, you know, it wasn't good enough 10 years ago, so why should it be good enough now is, sorry, um, I mean, if that's the way how you look at the world, then yes, uh, I think it's continuous learning. Some of it you need to have, um, um, you know, with a grain of salt. There's definitely always a lot of hype, but underneath the hype, there's very substantial value. And I would like to have a conversation with those that want to really drill down. Yeah. I mean, if, if I look at myself, um, the days that I really developed are long gone. I mean, sometimes I, I still do some Same development, <laughs> but but I'm I'm certainly not a good developer anymore. But I know the concepts. I, I still know. I'm I'm very familiar in, and and probably if I would spend more time on it, I I would be able to to um, develop again. It's but, like riding a bicycle. <laughs> it's, exactly, exactly. But now what I can do is now what the power or low code um, tools enable me is to address certain scenarios without going back and and learning again the latest um, development tools and, and and whatever. I can just um use the, the the knowledge the experience that i i gained 10 years ago and use that to build a new application and and, and literally that that's what what i'm doing here and um, uh, we have um within microsoft we, we just um released um a demo environment and obviously i i want to control access so so what we did we, we created a simple workflow that i'm always notified if, if someone um, wants to get access i i have this this small workflow that then approves it and what when 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 i do the approval then the necessary permissions and emails and stuff like that are, are sent out if i would have done if i would have needed to do this um by developing um some um some javascript code this would have it would have been possible no no question about it but it would have taken me yeah. a long time now with power automate it was like 10 clicks a, a few hours and then it was done and and that is something where 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 i think there are a lot of people like me also in other companies that mm. um maybe have an it background maybe they are uh, they they grew up um working um, um on on um computers but now they're there um in, in in different areas but they still have this digital um experience Dexterity. this digital know-how yeah. and and that's these people are the ones that we can now empower um with with the with the local platform of course we need to make sure that um the compliance is in place that security is in place that there there's a monitoring um in in place that uh, auditing is 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 fine and stuff like that Th that we have a good yeah. governance model in place but I think that's what um, the, the 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 good um, local platforms actually offer. That um, that they support the IT department. That the company can be compliant. That a company can make sure that um, they can 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 control and, if required, shut down applications. Um, um, so so another thing uh, from from um, back in the individual composer days, nobody really knew who was doing what. So um, shadow IT is something that that really could grow because the IT department didn't know that something was happening. With the power platform, you have full control. Since it is all cloud-based, you know who is doing what. I mean, to, to some extent, the administrator can see all the applications that are registered. He can see what are the connectors that are being used. How are people connecting to an SAP system? And they can shut it down. They can say, no, you're not allowed to use the HTTP connector, or you're not allowed to use the 
um, ERP connector to connect to the SAP system. And I think that's the, the, the control, the governance that we now have in place that wasn't there in, in, in the past. And it's, it's also, you know, helping the IT departments because, yes, you have suddenly templates and the templates are according to corporate identity. You have common patterns for the whole design system of your company is in there. So you put and every app that's built adheres to these standards automatically. You know, I, I think IT could learn a bit uh, because that was not necessarily given also back in the days where oftentimes you reinvent a technology stack and that's the hard part, right? And yes, for a lot of things that you really build the next killer apps, you should probably do like that to say, is that what's the best possible architecture? But for the spread and butter use cases, for my, for me personally, for my team, for so my organization, um, as long as you have something that fully adheres and complies and is using the same technology stack, hey, you're just offloading a lot of stuff that uh, otherwise would have been IT department's job to build and you can now hand it over. And that's exciting and people feel excitement if they can really see, I can automate, I can make my life more efficient and I have the right tools, then yeah, it's it's going to be a great story of bringing those two worlds closer together. Um, and um, that's, I think, a very... It's a big vision, actually, and, and and not a technology problem. It's yeah, it's IT business together, bridging business and IT. I think that's um, that's something <laughs> that you should also like from a concept, right? Um, um, and, bridging um, IT part. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but I think this <laughs> this, this offloading, yeah. this this offloading for me is a very very crucial point, um, because if I look at um, some IT departments that had, that have created beautiful or potentially beautiful applications. So so they have maybe really an, an OData service um, developed. They have an, a Fiori application out there. But then you see that it's not used by a lot of people. Um, now, why is that? Because you have a different um, idea of how a good user interface lo would look like than, than I. Um, and, and obviously, in, in a big company, there are different flavors. There are different um, things like you want to work more with the keyboard. I want to work more with, with the mouse. Mm. And, and the next one wants to do, um, I don't CLI know. CLI only. Yes, CLI exactly. only. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The important thing is the IT can provide the interfaces. And now yeah. they can open up and, as you said, outsource or, or offload um, the building of different applications um, to to the business users. And but still I, being in control. That's the and still be in control, exactly. But, but look. I have this dream, uh, and I hope I see it soon, is that as soon as this takes off, there is an app, as you said, somebody says, why do it always in Excel, in, in a big pivot type of spreadsheets all over the place, and build one application, they build it out, they use it as a, on team level, they build it on organization level, and then go back to ID saying, look, we have 300 users, if you could add this and this component to it, which we can't do ourselves, it would be so much better. They build it, and suddenly you have like something that, yeah, showed its value, IT can set priorities saying, yeah, we can focus on this. It seems to be trending. There are 300 people, yeah. valid use case, and then they're building one component after the other, and your catalog grows. Everybody sees the central catalog of your company, which could equally well be connected to a, a, a public federated one where other people share their content. I mean, how many COVID applications do we really need to build? Yes. Does everybody <laughs> need to build their own? Let's... So it's Leaf this request. whole idea about an enterprise marketplace <laughs> is something that people get there eventually. Um, and, and I think Microsoft and SAP is definitely players that can say um, they should be the leaders uh, towards this direction. And, and yep. if we can help them, then I'm happy to do so, yeah.
exactly and i think coming back to to quickly our webinar again where, where we started the process like um we had um neptune to to expose the apis and we started with a simple power app okay but then the next step was to to leverage i would say 90 percent of the components now and have it also in excel then we again leveraged 90 percent of the things and had it in teams as a chatbot so um just the once the the the, the complicated uh, exposure of the data in this fusion of teams was done. It was very easy for the business user to create a new application, to um, extend an Excel um, with the information, or to create a chatbot in Teams. I think that's mm -hmm. the the low code power platform um, value add that that we provide here. Quick thing, I'm not sure if everybody knew that the, the podcast that we were referring to or the webinar that we did, Holger and me. So we did. I, I, will, in real time. I, I will put it the okay. link into the That's show a quick notes. summary. In real time, we came up with a dialogue on Teams. The business user wanted to have information about customers in a very easy, integrated fashion into Teams, just saying, hey, I need info on this and this customer, uh, saying, give me info on customer XYZ, and he gets everything, you know, in, in, in a little card directly displayed. And we did it. Real time in an interaction in, in 30 minutes, built a, a couple of applications that connect SAP and Teams in a, in a great fashion. So that shows you, yeah, it's a <laughs> short, short uh, media break um, commercials. Um, but I'm it, not it's money for it's that, on by the point. Way. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's on point. It's just showing you this is the speed to be talking about. Um, yes, so some of it looked really great on stage, but there is substantial value for the people using these type of things. Um, um, Teams is a very big strategic. We know Salesforce is equally well ambitioned um, with Slack. Um, um, integrating with this, integrating SAP backends with other ways of interacting with the data. Um, that's that's what Neptune brings to the table, and that's where we want to continue um, serving the customers. Okay, um, I have one one last uh, topic before we wrap up. Um, one doubt or yeah, one fear of the IT management um, might be, uh, are we creating the legacy graveyard now, uh, legacy coding graveyard of the future with the platforms? Um, what are you answering your customers if they um, ask you that one or if they make a statement like that? Yeah, maybe maybe let me get started. I, I really don't see it like that. Um, I see... Uh, the the local platforms are an enabler, first of all, for a lot of applications that would never have happened if um, if we didn't have this this application. So I think without local platforms, you would have a lot of frustrated business users because they just cannot cannot go uh, achieve the goals that they want because there's no one that they can talk to um, in the IT. No one has time to develop it. It's too expensive to get a developer to to do this for me. So I think first of all. Without it, we would lose a lot of um, excitement and, and ideas um, that are currently floating around within a company. Now, going back to my fusion of teams thing, I think um, in, in really good um, projects, um, the low-code part is only one part of the full application. That what you need to do is you need to have the guys that still know how an SAP system works or any. This is not only for, for SAP. This, this is relevant for, for all um, applications. You need someone who has um, the power to create the API, to expose the API, to to know, um, um, yeah, to 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 do the more complicated stuff basically. And this is something that will always be there. 
Um, so um, even if there's a new technology coming up at some point in time and um, the, the low-code approach um, goes away, you will still have the APIs, you will still have the connectivities um, to the SAP system and, and, and build a new UI, build a new process on top of this. Uh, this is exact. I mean, I'm the first one who would say, make sure that you have identified your future technology stack and that you're not adding technical depth. That's the number one guiding principle to me. And that's what I really would argue differentiates the good from the bad platforms. Because now let's say you're, an, you're a company that has SAP, Microsoft, and other technologies. So SAP, either you're thinking about leaving SAP, but you still need to, I mean, how can you get away from the business suite? If, if so, you definitely need a tool that allows you to enable all the APIs with externals. Or if you're saying you're going S4, you're making a commitment. And if you say we're going to S4 commitment and we're talking 10, 20 years at least, I think. So the technologies that really matter are strategic are HANA, ABAP, UI5, and Fiori. <laughs> and oh, by the way, this is exactly what our local platform uses. So you have zero, zero added technologies. And every, if you consider that your future-proof technology stack, then that's what we bring to the table, as well as the Microsoft integration. So for Neptune, we can say, no, we're introducing nothing new. We're just introducing a methodology and a platform that allows you to create the necessary applications much faster, but we're not producing any meta model data. We're just producing source code. So you get the productivity and you remain flexible. And we can augment our platform with open source. So to, you have the the minimum possible uh, vendor lock-in with, with us. That's that's our approach. Um, I mean, we want to be, we call it the most native platform, both for the ABAP developers, where we say, you know how to work lifecycle management in ABAP, you know, Fiori, UI5 a little bit, we take the heavy lifting. And on the Microsoft side, we say, hey, you know Azure, you know TypeScript, you know how to use Visual Studio Code, then we give you a tool set that feels exactly the same, that integrates with your GitHub, CI, CD, DevOps workflow. So we want to bridge SAP, non-SAP, uh, SAP, Microsoft worlds. That's that's where we see of, of being of value at. And, and, and so I, I'm very relaxed when it comes to that question because typically it's when you show the solution to the end users, the developers, they said, yeah, finally, <laughs> finally understands what I want and how I use my tools and how I like my tools. And that's, I'm not, that's, that's when you get to that point of the conversation, you typically see me smiling, leaning back and says, guys, take it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Olga, anything to add? No, I, I think I, I started my argument that <laughs> Matthias um, obviously just confirmed um, a lot of things. I mean, obviously, with, with, with the Power Platform, um, we're not embedded into the um, uh, into the SAP stack. Um, SAP is one of the components that we can connect to. And um, uh, so so that's that's yeah, obviously a little different. My, but, but on a high level, you you have Embrace, you have Rise, you know how sure. much work do you get from SAP customers that want to go on Azure. Active Directory is very strong. Uh, you said GitHub, VS Code, the whole storyline. I mean, Microsoft has been 
always been the name that was associated with enterprise development um, to a certain extent. SAP as the World Global ERP leader as well. So that is a combination. Uh, like I said, the partnership is, is many years old. Uh, they know each other well. They have exchanged executives. <laughs> you're, you've been a constant player in this. Um, so I consider this a strategic technology partner for many of the companies that we want to make business with, that we do business with. So it's this future-proof technology stack argument is something that I would want at least bent out in this context, which, but it should definitely be be considered and top of mind when you pick your no-code local platform. Are they really strategic, natively embedded into what I want to do, or am I introducing technical depth? So the question is valid, but at least uh, in this setting, I take the <laughs> liberty to say it's it's not it should not be a concern. The opposite, it's it's very well addressed. In, yep. By the way, Gartner say big companies will not choose only one uh, low-code, no-code platform. <laughs> And they say that 75 will use low-code, no-code platforms. Let's just stop there. They call it the most, uh, Forbes calls it the most disruptive trend in 21. And um, not even blockchains. Chain, uh, no, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blockchain comes a little later down the road. No, no-code, low-code, DevOps, fusion teams, composable enterprise. These are the things not brand new for people that are watching the space. So I wouldn't say, and, and just to wrap it up, as, as SAP is late. They, they have a, a fresh start now with some new technologies that they brought in. Um, it needs to be integrated into what they have built over the years with the business technology platform. If they allow others like Microsoft, Neptune, and other players to just keep adding to the platform, right, and really build a platform, And not just a proprietary, uh, <laughs> you know, one vendor open source. Then, um, then it's going to be great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we already passed the hour <laughs> again. Uh, that's cool. Um, I like having uh, extensive, intensive discussions on the podcast, and that that was it today. Uh, thank you very much for joining today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Hope to meet you soon again. Yeah, same yeah. here. Not letting Holger go. We <laughs> no, no, we're teaming up, as I said. Absolutely. So you will hear more from us from that phone. Thanks, Martin, again. And shout out to all your listeners. Uh, Coffee Corner Radio, always a, a good resource. And let's keep the dialogue candid and alive. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.